It takes an extraordinary team to embark on an extraordinary mission. WealthVest presents the 99 Best Marketing Ideas, a podcast dedicated to bringing financial advisors the most cutting-edge marketing strategies. Listen in as your fellow advisors share their top ideas to help you conquer your marketing needs. Hello and welcome to another 99 Best Ideas podcast. This podcast major focus is to tell you what is working in real life, real time right now as a financial services professional, what marketing ideas are helping people all over the country to really build their practice and especially the practice that they want. And our guest today is Christopher Hensley. He's a financial advisor at Houston First Financial Group and also the host of Money Matters Radio and an international podcast. So Christopher, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me on today, Matt. I think people are going to be surprised at the direction that this is going to go because we have standard questions, as everybody who listens to this knows. And some people might think right out of the gate that uh, the the idea that you're going to share today is really the greatest marketing idea is the radio. Uh, but we're going to we're going to shift gears on that a little bit. So why don't we start with a little bit of history uh, and just tell our audience why you decided to become a financial advisor? Absolutely. So the the reason I became a financial advisor when I was in college, I studied philosophy and English. How did I end up in the financial services industry? Uh, well, my mom was an an employee for a local hospital here. She re- she worked for the hospital for several years, and when she retired, it turns out that she had invested through her four hundred three b in a fixed annuity. This was something that that uh, I didn't know a, a bunch about at the beginning, but as I started kind of working with her and learning about it, I, I, I realized that this was not a uh, good solution for everybody that was out there. In fact, most people, there are many other options available for them. And that, that pointed me onto the path of when I originally wanted to be a teacher, this was a way to help people uh, reach their goals and also educate them about maybe some of the best options out there when it comes to their finances and preparing for retirement. Okay. Just so you know, my undergraduate degree is in philosophy and communications. So, you know, you always wonder how people get to where they are. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm right there with you. You know, a lot of people were scoffing at my philosophy degree, but it teaches you how to think, right? That was the greatest part of a philosophy degree. So with that experience, what makes your practice now unique and different? Well, my practice is unique. It is different. I I specialize in working with people who are near retirement. So I do seminars and I work with people who are 55 and up who are part of the TRS, Teacher Retirement System, or ORP, Optional Retirement Program. And so these are people that are right about to pull the trigger on turning off their paycheck. In the past, when I first got started, I've been doing this for about 18 years. I was trying to be a generalist and, and be all things to all people. It turns out as I focused on this niche, things became easier and I really got to specialize in these different schools, colleges, their their retirement program and become familiar with it. That made me a better resource and expert for the clients that I work with today. Now, that is that is a nugget of gold there, everybody. Now, you have been doing this for a long time. You started off as a generalist, like you said. Now, are you known, is, is Christopher that guy or my guy or the guy that these educators and in, in these uh, this niche goes to? 
Yes, and, and that does not come from a place of ego. Sure, uh, that that comes from a place that if you need somebody to help you with your pension, and you are part of the the higher learning here in Texas, it's not going to be the Merrill guy. They're not going to sit down and talk about Social Security and Medicare with you. It's going to be me. I, I, I'm and and a lot of my referrals are coming from stuff that I don't necessarily get paid for but eventually turn out to be some of my biggest accounts. That's magnificent. What are some of the marketing ideas that you used in the past before you moved into how you market now uh, that worked well for you? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of the ladder that I that I climbed to get here before I tore the ladder down <laughs> was I, I am very involved locally in the Houston community when it comes to financial literacy. I'm on the leadership team of, of Houston Money Week. I, I still do that. I used to be part of an organization called the Society for Financial Awareness. Uh, I was the president of the Houston Midtown chapter, and I would go out and I would do financial literacy seminars really all over Houston and the Gulf Coast region. I still do seminars, but these are very specific now to the retirees and the companies and, and schools and universities that I'm working with. But that is how I kind of my bread and butter as I was uh, building up the business was going out and doing free lunch and learns and mm. seminars through, through that nonprofit organization. What marketing ideas did you try that worked out terribly and why? Mm, okay, let's see. Well, Ter- when terribly I first might be started, a strong word, but uh, that's okay. Just yeah, you know, at no, some no, sort I, of not success. I, I can tell you, yeah, for sure. When I first got, I started out with American Express Financial Advisors, which is nowadays called Ameriprise. Mm-hmm. But back then, there, I don't even think they can do this anymore. They used to do these fish bowls that you would put in restaurants. Uh, and you would drop your business card in there. Mm-hmm. And so it technically, I guess it wasn't a cold call. <laughs> wow. But you, you, you probably didn't think you were going to get a call just from dropping the card in there if you if you didn't win a free lunch or something like that. Mm-hmm. When I first got started in the business, that that is uh, the very first way that I that I started working on it. Uh, it, there is, it does it does work, but if you talk about maximum uh, efficiency, that is not the path. Sure, sure. <laughs> wow. Now, today, you do radio, which we talked a little bit about yeah. before you started recording. Do you consider radio as your best or podcasting as your best marketing idea? So the podcasting and the live radio show here in Houston are a great complement to what I'm doing. It has helped me really tweak my local network and kind of up, swim upstream with the, the different contacts that I have here locally in Houston. But I would say it's more of a social proof and credibility thing than it is as if you think you're just going to do a radio show and then all of a sudden the phone's going to start ringing and people are going to want to make appointments. That's not what the radio and the podcast is about. It makes all of the doubts go away Hmm. when I sit in front of a client or a prospect because I can point to here's a video of me talking with the mayor about financial literacy week Mm -hmm. and here I am with Lawrence Kotlikoff talking about social security and so it kind of takes a lot of the roadblocks away from it but I would say it's more of a a compliment than than the the idea that you're just going to throw money at radio and that it's going to go automatically convert into appointments it's a longer strategy than that. Now, Christopher, do you, I know advisors who pay tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars for radio. Are you paying for the Money Matters radio show? 
Oh, ab- absolutely not. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, and, and so, so when I say that, I'm of the belief that organic marketing, authentic organic marketing, is much more valuable than. I had a company call and ask, you know, um, we're going to put you in this nationally syndicated mm-hmm. magazine, and we're going to charge you ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars for this spot. And uh, I-, I scoffed at that because. A, my clients are mostly here in Houston, mm-hmm. so the idea of paying for national exposure is very expensive. It probably wouldn't accomplish what I'm doing here locally for free. And and B, it's more valuable for me to be plugged into my market, which is here in Houston, than mm-hmm. it is for me to have national exposure, I guess. Right, sure. <laughs> if radio and podcasting isn't your number one marketing idea, how are you growing your business today. Yeah, absolutely. So my main marketing channel is through seminars and referrals. I'm at a point where I am getting referrals from my existing clients, but I do uh, a seminar once a month and I go back and forth between teacher retirement system and optional retirement program. The, these uh, pension decisions, what I've added to my seminars are social security, which is mm-hmm. huge with the people that I'm sitting in front of, and Medicare decisions, which is actually a very big concern for retirees, but it's often kind of the stepchild for financial advisors because unless you're selling supplemental Medicare, it's it can get complicated and they don't want to really dive into it. Sure, fair, yeah. How do you get people to these seminars? Yeah, so I actually use email marketing. I reach out to the to, to the different universities. Um, I specifically target the age and how long they've been at the university. So I'm looking for people who have been there uh, over 10 years. That means that they're vested in the pension and that they're 55 and up. So they, they are serious about – if they're thinking about retiring, it's an actual concern for, for them. That – alone. When when I went from just going out and doing general Mm -hmm. financial literacy talks at companies and I dialed it down, dialed it in, who did it, who am I, who has money in motion and who am I seeing that are the biggest accounts for me? And it was that age group. When I dialed into that age group, I saw tremendous uh, growth and jump in, in the productivity at my practice. Let's talk about execution. How do you do this? Is it do you have systems in place? What do those systems look like? I mean, I'm assuming that by now you've done this enough times where it's almost like clockwork. But like, how many people do you have helping you? Do you have standard emails that you use? Help, help us with execution here. Yeah, absolutely. So. Even though I am a solopreneur in one aspect, I have family members, my wife, my nephew, I've had interns and that sort of thing that have helped me in the practice. But when it comes down to systems, it is all systemized. I'm using constant contact for my mm-hmm. email distribution. I have I plug into a local library here for the talk. So oh. when it comes so I think a lot of times when people are doing seminar marketing, they'll go dump, you know, a couple thousand dollars on a, a steakhouse or something Absolutely. like that. I am doing Saturday mornings uh, at the library. I'm providing with a restaurant Chick-fil-A here. I'm giving like little chicken biscuits and coffee at at 10 a.m. in the morning on a Saturday. So you got to think about that. I'm qualifying them and they're qualifying me. If they're going to show up on a Saturday morning for not a steak dinner, Mm -hmm. they really are hungry for the information that that I'm providing. And and that that is one of the the key elements. And I, I have 
large groups of people who will come just for that information. But it is systemized. So after they attend the seminar, it's not a sales event. We talk about their the uh, paperwork for a TRS. We talk about kind of uh, Social Security, Medicare. They do a, an a, a evaluation sheet for me. Okay. And then I actually have a virtual assistant out in California follow up on the phone calls for me and set appointments and put them on my calendar for me. I have a follow-up email that goes out if they have booked an appointment or if they've requested an appointment but that they didn't actually book. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll kind of drip on them about once a month. But but all of these you, – you're right when you said that. As I'm, I'm thinking about this. There are systems in place that I've done over and over. Sure. But it's it, – you know, tool uh, – uh, techno- technology tools like Constant Contact. I use Eventbrite uh, that – that does a lot of the work for me because it actually reminds them to show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it gives me a good head count. I used to, when I was doing some of the other seminars, we would have to make a phone, a physical phone call. Now they'll get an email the night before. Mm-hmm. And I actually do have people that, that give me the courtesy of saying, Hey, we're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like it's done very, very professionally. And I love that you're using those two systems because those two systems work together, right? Constant contact and Eventbrite work together. But for those of you who are doing events, The nice thing about Eventbrite is not only does it send the reminders like Christopher was just saying, it makes your event look very professional and not salesy. Because if they look at the other events that are on Eventbrite, they're concerts, they're local organizations, they're they're pieces like that. And what I'm hearing under the surface here, uh, which I want to kind of bring to the surface, Christopher, is you're positioning this as true education. It's not a bait and switch. I'm buying you dinner. You're going to buy my annuity. It's I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to build a relationship with you based off of I am your educational resource. So therefore, when you need that resource, I'm going to be the first person that you call. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I would just piggyback off of that because you, you kind of hit the nail right on the head. I am an educator. I mean, they're, they're, the reason I'm talking in this space or in this this in this space is because there was a vacuum of information out there. My competition were VA guy, variable annuity guys, fixed annuity guys. That was kind of what was left of the 403B market after mm-hmm. the, 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 the regulation in that area. And so somebody who's from an investment background who really does a deep dive into the social security part. But you're exactly right. One of the first things I say when we get in the seminar is that this is an educational event. It's not a sales event. The Mm -hmm. reality of the situation is that only about 5% of the people that show up here are going to end up becoming clients with me. And that's that's perfectly okay. I actually have one guy who keeps coming back. He's been to Mm -hmm. almost every uh, seminar this year, still hasn't become a client yet. And and that's okay. He's he's talking about me somewhere. Absolutely. Well, if he keeps going somewhere every sun- Saturday morning, uh, somebody's going to ask him at some point, what the heck are you doing, man? Every se- yeah. Or at least once a month. All right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> if you had, so think back to when you first started in the fishbowl idea with American Express. And if you had one piece of advice for new advisors, what would it be? Well, I would really encourage them to do things that that are are for the uh, think of it as a, a business that it's a long term investment, mm-hmm. and, and really dive into things that may not initially seem like they're going to be profitable for you. Social Security has been that for me. Medicare has been that for me. I I, I spent the money to uh, I use a software called Social Security Analyzer to mm-hmm. help my clients make decisions on Social Security, but a 
lot of advisors won't even kind of go there because unless they can charge a fee for it, what happens is as I work with them for all of these what you would consider ancillary things, but are really the reason that they're there in your office, you end up getting all of the business. Hmm. Uh, they're, they're, you know, I've had people tell me, you know, I went to my investment advisor at the wirehouse and I asked them about the pension and their eyes just kind of glazed over. Huh. That's not something they do. <laughs> right. Huh. You obviously have some sort of internal motivation. And the final question for this because you've given us all sorts of great stuff. I'm so glad that you talked about the systems, the the follow-up with the drip campaign using constant contact, the registration using Eventbrite, that you're positioning this on a Saturday morning where there's not food involved so you don't have the plate liquors unless that one guy just really loves those Chick-fil-A biscuit <laughs> sandwiches. But I'm sure you could go get one of those for like 99 cents if you wanted to. But anyway, what keeps you going every day? I mean, what is your intrinsic internal motivation that makes you get up and just hammer this every day? Oh, yeah. So I at this point, I feel blessed to be able to do something I'm passionate about. The podcasting, I, I love public speaking. I love getting on the air. When we talk about content, that, that creating educational content, that really drives me. And, I, and when we talked earlier about the philosophy, I wanted to be a philosophy teacher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and so this is kind of a marriage of the two things. I, I'm able to to make a, a good living, but then also be able to help people with what they're trying to do. That that is that has been a, a driver for me. It allows me the time to spend time with my son. I train Brazilian Jiu Jitsu like three times a week, which hmm. I haven't I wouldn't have been able to do that without this business sure, so, sure. and spend time with with my family uh, that, you know, I uh, boy, those things alone are, are keep me going. That's awesome. Well, I didn't know you were a ninja. We probably should have talked about that at the beginning, <laughs> but uh, I just make sure that if I'm down in Houston, you're on my side. If we ever have any sort of issues, any closing thoughts, Christopher, anything that you'd like to share with our audience, any other pieces, parts about the, the workshops that you you do or anything else that would be a good thing for people to hitch their wagon to and follow you? Yeah, absolutely. So the closing thought would be when I mentioned earlier about credibility, you know, when I first started my podcast, one of the things I was doing was reaching out to as many well to do well well known names as I could to to get that credibility piece going, but as I realized that most of my clients were from here in Houston, I was ch I've actually consciously changed who I'm reaching out to locally on the show. So it's kind of a mix between people I'm reading right now and I want to pick their brain and and know a little bit more about that book that they wrote, and then also local business professionals here that are just happen to be plugged in around the niche that I'm. I'm working. Wonderful. Well, Christopher, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you, Matt, for having me on. Closing thought here from uh, from this side of the mic. A lot of financial advisors have components of what Christopher just talked about. They want to do radio. A lot of times the bill can be way too high, and they're really looking for a very specific ROI for that spend. And as Chris just said, it's really, really important to, to have something that is a social validator of who you are and what truly makes you an expert in your field. That's what mixed media is about. It's not just for ROI. It's for basic name recognition, understanding, and social validation. Next, he does the seminars on Saturday mornings, which is going to reduce your overall cost 
for the seminars. He does it through email marketing instead of a whole bunch of invitations, which can cost anywhere from $7,000 to $10,000 for a mailer. And he has that niche. He knows exactly who he's talking to, so he's using that language and also making a time that is most convenient for his ideal client. So with that, for Christopher Hensley and for everybody at WealthFest, this is Matt Halloran, and I will see you on the other side of the mic very soon. But before you, I let you go, I need to remind you to hit the subscribe now button below so that every time we come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And it also makes it even easier for you to share the podcast with your fellow advisors. If through this and something Christopher said really resonated with you and you say, gosh, you know what, Jane would really benefit from this, make sure you click that share button. Go ahead and forward this podcast to Jane because we're all here to help everybody, not just our competition, because really there isn't any competition. There are millions of people who need your advice, who need your help. Why not help another advisor out? And that's what we're doing here with Top Advisor Marketing and the 99 Best Ideas podcast. Thank you very much, and we'll see you soon. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WealthVest or Top Advisor Marketing. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WealthVest or Top Advisor Marketing. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthFest or Top Advisor Marketing do not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WealthVest or Top Advisor Marketing does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any content. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.